0: Thank you for joining us today. At Res Life, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. So, we want to talk today, and our, our, our title for today's talk is Obstacles to Great Relationships. Uh, the, most imp- the, the, the most intimate relationship that we have, humanly speaking, Is marriage, and we're going to be addressing the subject of marriage. But the truths that we're going to be talking about really work in every relationship. And I really,
1: I really, we really want you to open your hearts and your understanding, no matter what age or stage or wherever you're at in your relationships, um, whether you're married or not married, because um, relationships start when you're born. And you start learning and growing. And, and you know how babies relate. It's me, 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 all about me. Ah, I want, I want, I want. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give gimme, gimme. And, and um, they're born that way. And actually, if you look in Proverbs, it talks a lot about the simple. And the, the meaning of that word simple is one without moral direction and inclined toward evil. And after Adam and Eve fell, um, every one of us, we were born in sin. So we were born with the inclination to just do it wrong if we're left to our automatic um, self without uh, recovering from God and the Holy Spirit, the inspiration, the motivation, the instruction, and the. Um, strength and the power to do it any differently to do it right will incline toward doing it uh, selfishly and doing it mo- so it's important that we not only learn how to relate in our marriage relationship now that for all of us that are married but that those who aren't and even our children and for every parent to understand and know that we're equipping our kids for relationships that we're not ignoring some of the issues in their life because you know sometimes it's just like shut the door, give them a game to play uh, you know these things are really wonderful and horrible <laughs> but um the the kids just know how to do things on here and and find games and and um I even, the grandkids were there, and, and I, I, they got done playing with my phone on the one-and-a-half-hour trip where we were going. And I got the phone, and it was red hot. They had been, I don't know what they were playing on there, but it was making the battery go. And, and I had to delete all the stuff they had done and told them they couldn't do that again.
0: <laughs> okay. So you were born for relationship. And we, we, we improve and we grow in relationships. When uh, Jesus in, in uh, Mark, the fourth chapter, is approached by the demon-possessed man, the, the, uh, the what would they call him, the, the lunatic of, of Gadara. He has a legion of demons. And when Jesus delivers him, this was his word to him. He said, go back to your friends and your family. See, you're created for relationship. He was living alone in caves, but Jesus said, go back. Uh, we look at one of the great heroes of the Bible, who who had such great potential, Samson. But yet, what caused him to fall was the fact that he wasn't in relationship. Uh, when he gets married, the Bible says they went and they found thirty men to be his friends. I mean, it is a shame when you get married if you don't have one person, not one person, who can stand up and be your best man, right? Or be your bridesmaid. It's a shame. And, and you look at his life, every time you find Samson, he's alone. And he does some really dumb things. And if he had had just one good friend, would have slapped him. How many know you need slapped from time to time? Right? Would have slapped him and said, look, this is not where you belong. This is not what you should be doing. How many of you know we don't need the friends that are whatever friends? We need the friends that are going to challenge us to rise up and fulfill our destiny, and follow God. Those are the people that we need to have around us. And I, I will say about marriage, um, so often we've got this idea that if, if I just find the right person, if I could just find my soulmate, we would get married, and it is just going to be heaven on earth. Right? <laughs> There's going to be no problems at all. Right? But I just want you to know that that is a fairy tale. That came from Hollywood, where you've dried off in the sunset and lived happily ever after. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, those who marry will have trouble. Promise. You don't need to claim it. You don't need to pray about it. There's going to be some trouble. Now, is, is marriage glorious? Yes, it is. But are there difficulties? Yes, there are. And the people with successful marriages are not people who had no problems, right? They're people who had problems and they worked through those difficulties. They worked through those problems. Uh, I was reading uh, recently um, a sociologist from the University of Chicago, Linda Waite, and she has done a study of thousands and thousands of marriages. And she made this in her, in her writing. She said this, two-thirds of unhappy marriages will be happy in five years. If they stay married, no. So the odds are in your favor. You say it's rough, yeah, but you stick with it and you work through the issues, right? And uh, it is glorious. Well, we've been married for forty-five years, and uh, man, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And we need to remember, marriage is God's idea, right? In the garden. God put the two together to love each other for procreation, for protection, right? Uh, and today, so often, uh, marriage is looked at differently. Uh, I would just call it kind of like a terminal sexual contract, right? Where marriage is about you're making, making me happy, you're meeting all of my needs, Right? And that's what marriage is looked at as. And if you aren't meeting all of my needs and if you aren't hot enough, well, I'll just go find somebody else who is. Right? Now, there's a great example of this in the book of Judges, chapter 13. Or is it 14? But it's again, it's Samson. It says he goes down to Timnath and he sees a young woman there. And he goes back to his parents and he says, hey, get her for me as a wife. And the parents say, uh, uh, but hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Uh, you're an Israelite. She's a Philistine. You worship God. She worships Dagon. And most of you know this. Dagon is a male mermaid. Can you think of an uglier thing in your life? <laughs> a male mermaid. And the parents are like, can't you find anybody in all of Israel? Where are you going? Okay. She's probably going to go get some illustration or something. All right. So, so can't you find anybody of all of Israel You know who you could marry? And, and this is his response. He says, Get her for me, for my wife, because she looks good to me. How many know looks good is nice, but you need more than looks good. All right? Because the day's gonna come when she's gonna wave goodbye to you, and on the bottom of her arm, it's gonna go like this, all right? (laughs) Stuff changes. Stuff changes. So they had a they had a look good marriage, right? You say, How did it work out? Ten days lasted 10 days, and that was it, right? So we need a whole lot more than that, right? Now, we're living in a culture today that promotes individual freedom and autonomy and self-fulfillment as the highest value. Let's say that again. Our culture says that individual freedom, autonomy, and self-fulfillment is the highest value, right? Now, that is not the attitude of a Christian somebody in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friend. Now that's a lot different than just what I want, my self-fulfillment. In fact, if we look in Ephesians chapter five, when it talks about the word of God, oh, is it that bright in here? Okay. All right. When we look at the word of God, the Bible tells us to, in fact, it says to the husbands, it says, lay down your life for your wife. Lay down your life. Uh, Somebody says, well, my wife and I were having some disagreements. Well, let me tell you what's supposed to happen. The man is supposed to act first and lay down his life for his wife. And it says, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, Christ didn't love the church, you and I, when we were doing everything right, he loved us when we were doing everything wrong. The Bible says, well, we were yet enemies. Christ died for us. Right? And so husbands, the responsibility falls on us to lay down our life.
1: Okay. So I just want to explain. I, I had a surgery on my eye Monday and I thought it would be great out here. And it was a little bright, so...
0: These lights are pretty, anyway, pretty intense. Anyway, I thought, oh, I thought were going to be an illustration.
1: No. Okay. I probably could think of one, though.
0: I'm, no, that's all right. But,
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to point out, and I don't know where all he covered there, but a big obstacle to a great relationship is when you don't know how to accept correction. So that was kind of why my introduction to this can be about you, your kids, uh, parenting... Because you really want to help and equip your kids to have the right attitude towards correction. And if you've had some kind of childhood issues, um, I don't there's no perfect parent and so they've made mistakes, maybe overcorrected, undercorrected, um, did it in the wrong way, um, you know that's. The blood of Jesus can wash and cleanse, cleanse us, and, and we need to um, be, you know, clear all of that out to go on and have healthy relationships, um, uh, and especially when it comes to correcting. Um, if you have that attitude of um, no one can change me, um, and there are some kids that are born with that, like, I'm right about everything. And I don't need corrected about anything and um, spend their whole life fighting uh, being directed and and corrected. But um, are you parents of children that have those strong, uh, strong, strong feelings? I remember Stephanie's, well, all of my kids. You're supposed to only have like one or two strong-willed kids. I think we had four out of four (laughs) And um, our last one, Stephanie, just, um, you know, I mean, she was just a little peanut. And I just remember trying to tell her just to, you know, go put on change out of her play clothes into some uh, clean clothes. And she's three years old. (laughs) I want to wear this. You know, and, and she didn't last, she didn't endure her whole life. If you all know our daughter Stephanie, she is a sweetheart. And she was a sweetie when she was a teenager. She just, um, yeah, we got through all that. But it took some tears and, and some consistency and some, you know what, this is the right attitude. And, and to teach her to um, accept correction. And here's one of the keys to being able to receive correction. And um, that is to know that you're loved. Mm -hmm. To know that you're loved. I don't know how many times Dwayne has corrected me, and it's never fun, you know, when you're just going along and thinking you're doing everything wonderful and right, and he's like, okay, Jeannie, that was not The right thing to say or do, or and um, he always has a verse to back it up. So you know, there's just there's no arguing with him. But um, still, there's times where my natural person just bristles, like because I want. We all want to be right. How many of you want to be right? I mean, do you plan in the morning, like, I'm going to see how many times I can be wrong today? No, I mean, we just think we're right. We go at our days right. So um, anyway, Proverbs 30, verse 21 says, the earth trembles and it cannot bear up under an unloved woman or person who is married. So in other words, when you can't receive love, how many know John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's awesome, awesome uh, truth. And because that is truth, we know that there actually is no such thing as an unloved person. It doesn't matter how many people have rejected you, have um, treated you wrong or um, disappointed you. You're you're loved because God loves you, and um, that's when you know that it makes it easier to receive correction. The security of you know Dwayne loves me. He's he's even if he's wrong about this correction, boy, I could tell you a time he was wrong. (laughs) Now that I think about it, that time in the boat.
0: Let's not go there.
1: Okay. He had a perspective from the length of a rope way he was on the skis. Not going I'm there. not going there, but they already wonder what it was about. Do you wonder? No. They wonder. I don't. <laughs> okay, I'll be brief. A condensed version. Of just he his perspective was way back there. And he had told me and I'm not a good boat driver, but you know, when there's no one else around, I had to do it. And I had the spotter, my cousin, sitting next to me. And he had told me, drive this far from the, the shore, do this, turn this, and do this speed. And, I mean, he gave me specific instructions, like overly specific. And I thought, wow, he really wants me to be careful. And I'm going to try. I so wanted to please him. I so wanted to do it right. And I was really, really trying. But I don't even know to this day what I did wrong. But I didn't do something right, and when I, I turned the boat around and and he did this wonderful loop out there behind the boat, and I looked up in the mirror, and he threw his hands up and dropped the rope, and I thought, wow, we still got a long ways to go to the dock. I wonder why he quit, and um, but I'm so happy and proud of the job I had done, you know. So we went back and picked him up, and he climbs up on the little platform on the back of the boat, and. And he looked mad, unhappy, <laughs> unhappy, not, ple- not pleased. And he's like, uh, I knew you wouldn't pay attention and or something to the effect that I did it wrong. And in that instant, when he would, tried to correct me, when I thought I wasn't wrong, I had the opportunity. I had my hand on that little ball <laughs> thing. And I could have. I could have just gone, boom. And you can guess where he would have ended up. Um, That was the flesh. And, And so, you know, I just, I thought, okay. And he got in the boat, and I was so disappointed that I'd done it wrong. And I was getting, I wanted to correct him for, for correcting me, and he didn't want to be corrected. I, I was trying to explain that I had tried and that he was wrong, and, but he didn't think he was wrong, and I knew I wasn't wrong. And so, you know, we could have a vote here, and who, who thinks who was wrong? But um, when we, by the time we got the boat back, you know, I, the Holy Spirit had just quickened my heart that, you know what? how It doesn't matter how much you were right about whatever you were right. He perceived his perception was such-and-such and, such. and so I apologized I said I am sorry for whatever I however I did that that disappointed you and it wasn't done the way that you needed it or wanted it and I'm, I'm sorry I need you to forgive me and he's spinning up the the hoist and I went on up to the house and gave him time to hear from God himself <laughs> <laughs> It's good to have God in your relationship. <laughs> um, it's like you know, it just helps so much. And um, and by the time he got up to the house, he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I lost it, and forgive me." And and we got to make up, and it's wonderful. But but that just to you know, it's not easy to receive correction because sometimes you don't even believe that you need it. But the um, the the word says. Where's the other scripture? That God understands that the eyes of the Lord are in every place. He's watching over the evil and the good. And he sees and he knows. And so you're secure in that not only that he loves me and he wants the best, but God loves me. And so I can trust God. God, you can handle this. If I need corrected, okay, I receive it. Um, And if, if he gives it and... He gives it, because sometimes he might correct me in the wrong way, and huh, he could have said that nicer, and I would have cooperated, but because he said it wrong, I don't have to. Well, that's not true, because God, I'm, I'm living before God. I'm not just living with this guy. I'm living before God, and when you teach your children, and when you make these choices of, of walking through your life knowing that, you know what, I'm just not... I am living with other people, but I'm not just living with them. I'm living before God. And and as a Christian, that's where we need to be responsible, that we're living before God, and He watches everything that we do. He knows our hearts. He knows the intents of our heart. You can't lie to God. You can't fake Him out. You can't deceive Him and say, oh. Oh, I didn't really mean to do that. When you did it on purpose. And he knows you did it on purpose. And, and uh, so it's really a freeing and a wonderful thing. And this is so good to teach our children. Actually, Proverbs fifteen three. that was one of the first verses we taught our, our children. That um, the eyes of the Lord, and we had, you know, put both hands up there. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching over the evil and the good. <laughs> And, of course, they, you know, liked making the faces, and they learned it. But we, we wanted to help them get that in their heart and understand from the time they were little, 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 that everything I do and say, God sees. I can't hide anything. So I might as well make all these good choices and um, and be blessed and, and get God's favor, and, and it works out better, and when I receive correction, I'm rewarded, and... Um, and know that another thing of correction is that it's for growth. It's for tomorrow. Proverbs 15, 5. I will let you speak. A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. And um, there's another verse. I didn't write it down, but that um, he who receives correction receives honor. And I love that because uh, to know that there is a reward that for receiving correction that that you, it's an honorable thing. It's not, the devil will tell you, oh, try to put you down. Like, well, you must be a failure because he had to correct you or she had to correct you. You must have, you must really be, be um, no good and all of these things. But no, the Bible says he who receives correction is honored. There's a reward to growing. There's a reward to, to, to being able to, to learn. Isn't it wonderful?
0: Mm-hmm. Ready?
1: Um, probably.
0: Okay. All right. So Proverbs 6, verse 23. And this is really oh, what... this was important. This is what Jeannie was talking about. It says, for the commandments are a lamp and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of correction or discipline are the way of life. The proofs of correction, they're the way of life. In other words, the way every one of us grow is to be corrected." And it's to be corrected, particularly by somebody that's on your team, so to speak, that's, that loves you, that wants to help you. Um, if somebody comes up to me after a message and says, you know what, that was the worst message I've ever heard. You're the right, you are a terrible preacher. Well, what help is that? Right? But if somebody comes up and says, hey, this is what you did, but if you had done this instead, a lot more people would have been able to receive it. Now, they're trying to help me, right? And the proofs, the reproofs of correction are somebody that loves you, that wants to help you do something better. And every one of us needed. Uh, I remember, we, I don't think we were married a week uh, when we decided we, we, we decided we would correct each other, right? In a particular area, and it had to do with our speech. You know, if I say something that violates the word of God, I want you to correct me. And the same thing, she said, that, you know, you correct me, I'll correct you. But we want our speech to be in agreement with the word. Now, it was really, it was a proof of correction. It was somebody who loved us, who was gonna say, hey, this is what you said, but this is not what the word of God says. And we need, we need to change, right? Now, speaking of change, um, a man, it's interesting, A woman marries a man believing he will change and a man marries a woman hoping she will never change. (laughs) But the truth is we all change, Uh, especially from the person, person that we think that they are. Because whether you realize it or not, you don't really know somebody until you marry them. It's like marriage just pulls back all of the mass, right? But Time happens to all of us, children, hardship, uh, we get older, we have different experiences, different friends, we have kids, and, think, and, and people, we change, uh, but what we want to do is we want to change and we want to grow together, change and grow together. Now, now for that to happen, right, we need to have some of the same experiences And uh, one of the things that we did early on in our marriage, we decided we were going to grow together and uh, begin reading together. You know, whether you go to a seminar, you read a book, when you learn something new, how many realize your perception changes and your actions change when you learn? So so we simply decided we're going to learn together. And uh, for 45 years, uh, we've read about 50 books every year together. So that we would learn, and a lot of them were on marriage because I needed a lot of help.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think every year we read at least two or three um, books on marriage relationships because we're married.
0: Yeah. We're growing. Okay.
1: Okay. The um, another uh, big thing on. Um, Obstacles to a great relationship is if you blame others, if you're a blamer, if you can't, um, you know, life is 10% what you make it and 90% how you take it, Irving Berlin said, Um, and if you're constantly... trying to deflect. And I guess this goes along with receiving correction. I guess that's my, my well, big thing at this morning. Adam and Eve,
0: Adam said, God, the reason this happened is that woman you gave me. And Eve said, no, it's the serpent who deceived me. You know, in our, our, our natural default position is to deflect it, to, to, to not accept the, the, the blame or the responsibility. But the truth is there's no change unless we accept responsibility. So go ahead. Yeah
1: um and uh, also blaming others um, that has to do with your perspective again, and um I think about the i 've shared this before about my perspective of how I was so sure that I was so right that Dwayne just didn't really like me. He had to love me because the Bible says so <laughs> but um but the proof, I'll tell you my proof, and some of you'll think, wow. Because I had the, the little kids and all the, the pressures and the busyness of keeping the home and keeping up with him and, and taking care of everybody. And when I'd go to do the laundry, Dwayne would tie his clothes in knots before he'd put them in the laundry. His socks were in knots. And, and his shirts he'd grab the cuff, and so when he'd pull it out the the sleeve would kind of go I don't know how he did it, but he the sleeve would go partially up the thing and then and then somehow it would be in a wad so for me to wash and dry clothes, it was a lot of extra work, and i thought wow he he must think I do nothing all day, and he wants to keep me enslaved and and so I was just so sure. That you know my perspective was really i didn 't think about it not being anything, but what I perceived was that um, he just wanted to cause me trouble, and you don 't do that to somebody you like um, and so one day I opened the bedroom door and um, I walk in the door he 's sitting on the edge of the bed, and he 's wadding up his I think it was the socks that time. And then he, he kind of leaned back like this, closed one eye, and he tossed it in, across the bedroom, across the bathroom, in the bathroom door, and right into the laundry basket. And he made a basket. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my perspective of this man was, wow, what a hero, a champion. <laughs> and, and, and my perspective of what I thought I was taking offense and I was blaming him and all this for all this trouble because he's causing more work for me. It was like, yeah, every time I see these wadded up clothes, it's my man. He's making a basket. He's so <laughs> awesome. He's just, he, he, he can do it. He's a winner. And um, you know just what a little bit of tweaking can do sometimes where if, if you are that kind of person who's constantly looking for throwing the blame on somebody else for things that don't go right. Um, then you need to just ask God to uh, open up your eyes to see and have a better perspective of of other people and to believe the best. Read First Corinthians 13 and feed on what does God's kind of love do and it doesn't jump to conclusions and doesn't jump to like, well, it's probably their fault and, and it, it's happy to do its part and um, make the correction and have a good attitude.
0: Amen. Well... Our time's up. Some of you just saw what I did here. How I many of you saw that? When, when it's time to oh, quit, God. I take my watch off and I put it down here because that's she much can,
1: better than going like this. Yeah,
0: she can go forever, and that's good. All right. <laughs> so, babe, would you pray me. for would you pray for the marriages and the relationships?
1: Yep. Remember, you picked me.
0: I did. And I do it again like that. <laughs> <That's> okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, God, we thank you that you have so much to teach us, to equip us with, to help us in life. We thank you for relationships. We thank you for our husbands, our wives. We thank you for our children. Mm-hmm. We thank you that you give us relationships uh, to increase and to grow us, to strengthen us, uh, to help us. And, um, Oh, to do so much. We just ask God that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word as you try to equip us with the wisdom and the understanding and the insight and the instruction uh, for being Christ-like day in and day out and learning how to um, impart grace to one another and live in a way that honors and glorifies you and where our Marriages can be built and be strong. Our families, our relationships, even our businesses and our works, where we um, work, where we can magnify you. And we thank you again for this word that you have talked to our hearts about this morning. And we pray that you will take it and, and uh, bear fruit with it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: See, as every head's bowed and every eye closed, I, I w- want to remind you that we live in a society in a culture that really believes that good people go to heaven. But the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that forgiven people go to heaven. And we tend to think we can earn our way. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Now, what he's saying is this, that all of my efforts could not make me right with God. And all of your efforts could never make you right with God. There's only one way and that's through Jesus. So Jesus said, you must be born again. And what that means is you need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. And with Jesus, it really is an all or nothing situation. Now, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. That this is our opportunity. As the Spirit of God draws us We need to say yes. Now salvation again, it is not about what you know. Because we've all celebrated Christmas, we've all celebrated Easter. We know what the Bible tells us. But salvation is not about what you know in your head. Salvation is about your heart. Have you given all of your heart and all of your life to Jesus? He's not a thief to steal it, a manipulator into tricking you, the choice is yours. That's why we need to give him all of our heart and all of our life. Receive what he did for us. The Bible says in John chapter one, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. So as every head's bowed and every eye's closed, if you're not where you should be with God, and you're away from God, we're gonna pray together. I want you to pray this prayer From your heart and when we say amen you're going to be forgiven you're going to be right with God so everybody if you would please if you can take one hand put it over your heart lift your other hand towards heaven where our help comes from and just repeat this prayer say oh God I believe that Jesus died on the cross I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. He is my king. He is my Lord. I receive the forgiveness Jesus purchased for me. Thank you my past is gone. That I am a part of your kingdom. Today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.